Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey guys, this is Erica Ramirez, senior editor at Billboard. Today I have my coworker Stephen Horowitz here, hey. and Eric Rosenthal also. Hi. And you're laughing at me already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we are celebrating '90s uh, music this week on Billboard.com, and Jason Lipschitz, and I probably said his name wrong again, um, kind of spearheaded that. And Stephen and Eric, you guys both wrote um, kind of led one year. Eric, you wrote about 94, mm-hmm. and Stephen, you wrote about 95. And I was gone last week, so I wasn't able to participate, and this is a way to make myself include myself, to not feel left out. <laughs> so, <laughs> that being said, my one of my favorite years, as far as music goes in the 90s, is 94. Yeah. Because it's very heavy with 90s R&B music that I enjoyed. No shots fired. At 1995, but... I'm, I said in my piece, which, you know, <laughs> you still, it's on your reading list. <laughs> it's on reading <laughs> That my two favorite years of the 90s for music were 94 and 99. <laughs> and you didn't write about either. <laughs> I, they were apparently all taken before I could get Is a there, shot. I but. think that you need to have a talk with Jason when... Yeah, I think so. Um, fine. So we'll start... Well, I guess we'll, we'll have something to say about 94. But, Eric, what kind of did you cover in your 94 piece for Well, first of all, let me just it? say... I was I was a late replacement to '94, but I was I honestly was thrilled that I was given '94, and I was like thrilled to write about that because I felt like um, I felt like it was it had the perfect balance um, between you had albums like Illmatic and Ready to Die, and you still had like most of Doggy Style that year. So like rap was really really legitimate at that point. And then you also had on the other side, you had things like Weezer's um, self-titled album. You had Dookie by um, by Green Day. You had like Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and like all these like great alternative bands. And and like that was like 33% of what was going on. And in the middle, you had pop. And it wasn't like overwhelmingly pop like the late 90s. And it wasn't like overwhelmingly rap or alternative. It was like the perfect sort of ecosystem and checks and balances going on. And it was just... Like, even now, today, um, they listed the nominees for um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Green Day is in there, and um, Nine Inch Nails is in there, and it's just like, you know, and obviously we've been celebrating, like, Illmatic's 20-year anniversary with the movie and everything, um, but it just seems like that was such a moment in time. Oh, you also had things like Boys to Men's too. I mean, Crazy Sexy Cool. It was a great year for music. I feel like... 
the most important thing is that all of these things lasted. It's not like they were like good then and it was just like a moment in time. I feel like these are songs and albums that have lived on and right. remain today. Yeah. I completely ignored everything that was not rap or R&B in the 90s, which I still do right now. But um, no, I did. I read your piece and one thing that I saw that you mentioned was the fact that it still like kind of lives on, like you just said. Like yeah. you still, We still listen to all those albums and... We're here celebrating with like Illmatic and Voice Cement too. I don't know if I could listen to that album now and be like, let's play this like right now and not act as if it didn't come out in the nineties. We talked about this when we we're talking about like Brandy's album, where right. like you could listen to Brandy's album and know that it was like for then and you get nostalgic, but not sure if you could like listen to that as if it's a new song. Right. And like feel the same way. It sounds dated. Right. Essentially. I don't know. Do you feel that way about two about Boys to Men's album? Absolutely. I feel the same way about it that I do about uh, Brandy um, in a way that it was actually defining for the time and kind of changed, you know, the way that we looked at R&B um, because it was doing something different on such a mainstream scale. But it uh, ends, you know, alter the course of R&B in the years to follow. But um, it just sounds like 1994. I'm not saying you do this, but let's say that Steven sneaks into a bat mitzvah <laughs> in 2014 and they play something off of two for the kids to slow dance to. You appreciate that? or I appreciate on it. Bended I on bended knee. On bended knee. Yeah, at a bat mitzvah. <laughs> when they're playing Coke and Pepsi on bended knee. Oh, I wish I could be there for that. Um I also thought of what other project was I just thinking of? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think that, like, I'll Make Love to You can come out right now. We could be like, oh, this is this is the shit, like, But right it's now. also, it, it's such a different, like, radio and television Absolutely. day today. You yeah. Know? Like, then it was also, like, perfect because it wasn't, like, things were selling out. You know, I feel like, I feel like you had rock radio and you had hip-hop radio and you had, like, pop radio. It wasn't like it is today where it's just, like a zillion different options of what to listen to and there's no formats anymore. It was just like a nice sort of like balance. That's why I felt like that year was great. It wasn't like, it wasn't too heavy of one thing or another and it wasn't, it wasn't too like poppy. Like I said, like 1993 was very crystal Pepsi, Mm -hmm. you know, and you had like Van Hagar, Mm -hmm. you know, with um, whatever this, uh, right now. Yeah. You know, it was very just sort of, I don't know, selling out and and broad. And it felt like in response to that, you had these things in 94 that all seemed like legitimate and personal. Right. You know? You also mentioned like authenticity as far as, I don't know if you just meant with like the rap that was going on because I know that you mentioned Snoop, but that was also a big thing with like Ready to Die coming out and Nas, like they were all very, like a glimpse into their life. Like it was not even sugar-coated whatsoever. Yeah. And I think also it, it echoed in culture, too, because you had, like, Tommy Hilfiger and you had, like, Penguins jerseys. And you had, on the other side, you had, like, flannel shirts and, and long hair and all this stuff. And I feel like those were all true to those, um, you know, areas of culture. I feel like it wasn't, like – like, it, it was before um, corporations sort of, like, grabbed onto these things and took them and tried to, like – perpetrate them as as whatever they did with companies i feel like it was just a natural outgrowth of the music which was really interesting for the time yeah i think it 1994 is defining because before it everything was kind of operating within the norms of the genres like i think the the hardest thing probably to come out before 1994 in the rap world at least was um 36 chambers um 
And, you know, that pushed the culture forward. It brought it out of that 80s sound, the boom bap, the early 90s, um, you know. Are you saying that 1993 was not hard? (laughs) (laughs) No shots. Um, But, yeah, 1994 is when all of those, all these rappers took what came before them and R&B singers and they completely ushered it into a new era. It feels like... Illmatic and Ready to Die are such different rap albums than what came before, and not just because of even what they're talking about, just the sound of it. Yeah. Right. It sounds, um, I mean, Illmatic today doesn't sound very dated. It sounds like you could put on. Um, I mean, people, you know, some people want that kind of album. Exactly. Nowadays. Sure. Yeah. People still want that music. And yeah. I think before that, people, you know, what else, what else came before that you feel like you really want another version of that today? Right. I mean, I just think of Outkast, but I'm not sure if we will ever, or I'm not sure if we 100% want that sound of, of Outkast, because that's just, I think it brings back good memories in whatever state Andre 3000 and um, Big Boy are. It's just better to look back and be like, that was Outkast in like Another 93. Another album that came out in 94. Was it 94? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. It's a good year. We're glossing over a very important album, which is the Lion King soundtrack. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's still hard. I'm sorry. I don't. I remember like the music within the movie, but it's because I love the movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember like the soundtrack on its own. Like I can't be like, hey, that's a good soundtrack. You should go yeah. Back. yeah, play on Spotify. <laughs> just revisit it. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, R. Kelly's 12 Play came out in '93, but it came out like late '93, mm-hmm. so it like charted in '94. And I remember talking to him and asking him, like, what's the most memorable, like, studio session? Who's and, that, Robert? Um, R. Kelly, yes. I'm sorry, Robert, for some people in the room. Um, <laughs> and he said that, like, it all the, his best memory is, like, ordering a bunch of, like, seafood and shrimp and, like, lighting candles. And I'm like, oh, so there's, like, women in the room. He's like, no. It was just, like, me and I, like, I had some candles and, like, I'm like, oh, okay. But, like, I, I, then I just think of, like, how many artists just, like, grew up on R. Kelly and how many artists like are influenced by him because now you have like what the dream and all these other artists that kind of sound a bit like R. Kelly Trey songs. Chris Trey Brown song. put out a song on his album with R. Kelly oh, God. well not only that one but he has one with Trey I think Trey songs, songs. Yeah. yeah just That's talking about 12 yes <laughs> yep yes by the way let's just remember that on uh drown is it drown in you the one with R. Kelly and Chris Brown yeah he says he says at the end I want to drown in you like a like a male mermaid. <laughs> like that. See, that is an artist that will forever pretty like whatever he said in '94 or '93 on 12 Play. I could hear him say again on an album now. Yeah, he's ridiculous. <laughs> like we, lo- we that- love and hate R. Kelly. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So that is one of those artists. And then there's like the the R&B albums like Brandy's and Mary J. Blige's and TLC, which I think also goes with the whole authenticity thing. But I think theirs is just very so personal that like you could tell like who these artists were like my life i know is one of your one of my favorite, favorite albums, albums ever yeah why is it one of your favorite albums ever other than because it's amazing well it's yeah well there i mean <laughs> that album is classic for a lot of reasons but um i mean she had what's the 411 and then it, that sounds like very early 90s kind of it, it just sounds dated too. It sounds right. like it kind of falls in line with Brandy and Boys to Men. Shots fired. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not throwing the I'm not throwing the shots. But and, go ahead. You know, my life also has it. It does sound dated a bit too, but um, it sounds way more updated. 
uh, than what she was doing before. And the songs are super strong. And the, I mean, the emotion itself that she poured into it, it's probably one of the most depressing albums too. Um, and you don't really hear, you didn't really hear R&B singers getting that real about their life. Like she was struggling with drugs. She was struggling with heartache. She was going through a lot of heavy stuff and she poured it all into that one album. And um, yeah, you can still feel that today. I was feeling heartbreak at like 12 years old because of, <laughs> that I should not have been feeling thanks to Mary J. Blige. And Brandy was like, okay, because that's probably what I was feeling at the time. But Sitting up in my room. Yeah, like, of course, that's it. I want to be down. Like, of course, I was trying to be cute. But like Mary, that took me to a whole other, a whole other level. And like Crazy Sexy Cool is also such a great album. Yeah. Yeah. Also like dated, I guess, in its own way. Um, but... I still listen to that album, like, front to back. Well, um, Ooh, on the TLC tip, I mean, if you compare Crazy Sexy Cool to that. Right. Like, they grew up on Crazy Absolutely, Sexy Cool. They yes. became women. They were, and also, they grew out of that 90s sound and look. Like, the neon colors, the um, backwards hats, they kind of, they pushed themselves out of that. I think, I think too, if you say that, like, things sound dated, that's a little... Um, I'm I'm not sure I totally agree with with that idea just because like okay. there can be no just generally because I, I think there can be like things like it's good, you it's still calm down Stephen you, you can still listen to things no, I, that are yeah. like I'm not saying specifically like those things right. but I mean the idea of something being dated because you can still listen to you know Beatles music or Led Zeppelin music or what what have you over the years and be like that still sounds good right. it is of a time. But it was still quality music, I think. Yeah, of course. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I just mean dated meaning, I think, you know, studio techniques have gotten so much better mm-hmm. that you could tell that it was from that era. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that's what I mean by dated, not irrelevant. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm glad we cleared that up. Because <laughs> <laughs> you guys were about to fight. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of other 94 albums that, like, were very... Out of all the ones that we've talked about, which one did you guys most gravitate towards? At least in '94, um, I I really did walk that line between like all the the different genres, and I think like it's funny. Um, before I came down here, I was like, oh, let me listen to Dookie again, just to like you know hear what it's like, and um, like I learned to play drums on that. Like that was a real thing. Like it just mattered to me on a on a certain level, and and but like doggy style. Even though that is technically '93, but I feel like there was so much like gin and juice that like was released in '94 that it yeah. made, like more to me. Yeah. That, might mean the most to me even and pardon me saying this but even more than ill hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Or ready to die. Like it was just such a, 
uh, people are going to come at you. For I that. know, I know. I'm such a East Coast boy with the West Coast like influences. <laughs> but it makes like, me happy because I'm from the West Coast. Yeah, but. no, it just, it just, I think that just lasts to me. Like I went to LA um, a couple months ago and just uploaded like that album onto my onto my phone and like played that. So like, why was that more impactful to you than like the East Coast music coming out? Um, is it just because it was something like new? Maybe. I, I honestly, I think it was just the um, just the 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 sounds of the G Funk era. It just yeah. spoke to me more than like the sounds of like um, the New York stuff. Right. Like I wasn't I wasn't really looking for that stuff. It just I was looking for something different, and and they provided that. Yeah. I don't know what it was. It just spoke to me. <laughs> And it lives on. Like I can still, I can still listen to that and and uh, and appreciate that. And I, obviously, I love Elmatic and I love Ready to Die as well. Right. But if I think back to then, like what spoke to me, that was that was the big thing to me. Speaking of Ready to Die, I almost forgot that you spoke to Faith Evans about. Yeah, I did. How how was that conversation? It, well, it wasn't really much of a conversation. Why? No disrespect to Faith, but she had a lot to say. Right. So I, I you know, I spoke with her for. Um, uh, like 20 minutes, 20, like half yeah. hour. And she, I got four questions in. She just went on, which is great because, you know. So she was I just like reminiscing. Yeah. I mean, I asked her, this year is really important for her specifically, not just because she's releasing her sixth studio album, um, which, you know, a lot of artists don't make it that far and remain as relevant. But also it marks the 20th anniversary of Bad Boy and also the 20th anniversary of um, Ready to Die, which of course she was kind of instrumental in making um and yeah she just had a lot to say about uh how puff was just always behind big and really believed in him and she she kind of took a back seat to taking any credit for influencing ready to die or having much to do with it she was telling me that she was recording her album at the same time and when she met big he was already about halfway done recording ready to die um so, yeah, she just, I think, is a fan in, in hindsight. And um, she, you know, still has a lot of love for Puff, too, and shouted him out. And, yeah. I just wonder how it is, like, looking back, knowing that you were this type of an influence on an album like that. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, Biggie wasn't much of a romantic guy. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't so know that is why you gravitate towards but... Snoop, Eric. I, I understand. <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, it's important. Once again, 1994 is super duper important for a lot of reasons in music. But um, yeah, that especially. What about what about you? What's your album of 94 that you... My album 94? It's probably Ready to Die. Really? That was going to be my life. I was so ready to like cry about this. No, I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, ready to Die is... Probably no. maybe my favorite album. I mean, ever. yes, it's understandable. I should say that's understandable. Yeah, I, I didn't even understand the debate between what's better, Ready to Die or Life After Death. Um, Ready to Die is such a, it's so well constructed, and the rhymes are people don't rhyme like that still. Like he, the way that his brain worked was unreal, and the you know the way that people described him being in the studio, and he would just sit there and kind of mumble these ideas to himself, or sit there silently, like. I can't remember what it was. I, maybe it was, um, he was in the studio with Primo, I want to say. And he just sat there nodding his head in the corner for like an hour. And then he, he got up and he was like, okay. And he just killed it. Um, I mean, talent like that doesn't really exist uh, today. I mean, unless you look at Jay-Z, but, you know, Jay-Z is another conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
yeah, the, just everything about it was super smart. The the things that he said were super provocative. Um, I mean, talking about robbing pregnant women and, uh, you know, suicidal thoughts. What kind of rappers don't talk about suicide? I'm trying to think if someone has rapped about robbing a pregnant woman lately. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I wonder, like, what the reaction or, like, would be. bitches get strangled for the earrings and bangles. Like, that's so terrible to say. And he said it. I, I mean, it's... He he was such a provocateur, and um, but he was such a visionary too, um, and I think those it all kind of was such a great confluence on that one project. Yeah, I think mine, of course, has to be like TLC's "Crazy Sexy Cool," mm-hmm. just because it was like a balance of like both like still fun and mature, at least for me, at like twelve years old, <laughs> thirteen, whatever age I was at. Um, but so we talked a lot about 94, but Steven, you wrote about 1995. (laughs) (laughs) I did write about 95. So what is your 95 piece about? Uh, it's not very, um, juice podcasts related. That's fine. But, um, I wrote about how, uh, Alanis Morissette's Shag Little Pill was a super important record to me in 1995. Okay. Because I was nine years old at the time. And it, my parents bought me the album, I think because she was really popular and sent me to summer camp for eight weeks. And they, I, I had one CD and a CD player and it was that. And by the end of the summer, I knew every word to it. And I talked about how it articulated a lot of emotions that I felt as a nine-year-old, but didn't know how to express. Right. Um, kind of like so much frustration and anger about, you know, being a kid and like not being taken seriously and wanting to be. Did Alanis make you grow up? I grew up very quicker, fast, fa- more fast than you would have liked to. Thanks. <laughs> she changed me. Um, no, it was. It's such a good album, and um, I think purely because of the emotion behind it. Um, and I don't connect with music like that as strongly as I did back then. I don't um, know if I could like imagine being at, at camp listening to that. Like, did you have album. a disc man or? I had it? a disc man. Yeah, and headphones, right? Yep. Like so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, was... I don't know if you were playing it for everybody. But... <laughs> Yeah. Could you imagine? Yeah, for all the boys in my bum. <laughs> so weird. On repeat. So weird. Wait, so you did like weeks with this album? Yes. I spent eight weeks with one album. I mean, what, like, what was the song? Ironic? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it always changed for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you six weeks. That song better change. You better have a different song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I talked about it too. I think, I don't know which one I liked the most then, but the one I like the most now is Hand in My Pocket mm-hmm. because it's just about like accepting the chaos of life and being ambivalent about it and like teaching yourself to do that and telling yourself to do that and i think that's a very important lesson that you could definitely use now (laughs) (laughs) i only listened to the singles of that album i did not have that album but that's such a it's such a funny time too because you did have like a whole project like now like no one even like thinks about like oh i'm gonna listen to 12, 14 songs straight through. Right. And that's what you had for a summer. Yeah. To really delve into. Right, exactly. And yeah, so it kind of defined 1995 for me. Right. Um, but, I mean, otherwise, I have a list of albums that came out in 1995. Look at I you. can't put What else came out? Uh, there was Radiohead's The Benz. Mm. Um, fun fact, I saw Alanis Morissette and Radiohead opened for them. Whoa. Or for her. Yeah. Um, was that very nostalgic for you? That was nostalgic, yes. Uh, <laughs> Jules' Pieces of You came out. Aww, um, clearly I had that album. <laughs> uh, Michael Jackson's History came out. Uh, and then obviously Mariah Carey's Daydream, No Doubt, Tragic Kingdom. Uh, oh. And then Raekwon, mm-hmm. um, Only Built for Cuban Links, the classic yep. debut. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a good year for music. 
It just not the best year. It was not the best year. <laughs> but you said it was like, a great year. You said between ninety four and ninety nine. Not, yeah, for between for for me. Oh yeah, wait, yeah, you you mentioned ninety nine. Yeah, what I was mean, going on in your world in ninety nine? In nineteen ninety nine. Um, <laughs> I mean, we got. More set. <laughs> 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 well, I talked about this too. Um, this two thousand fourteen is. I, I mean, those years are particularly important because if you look at at how media treats those years, mm-hmm. they treat them like they were the most important. Like we got so many think pieces this year, so many oral On histories. Anniversaries, yeah. Um, I mean, they were Renaissance years for a. Mm. Uh, decade of you know musical renaissance right so um but yeah 1999 we got miseducation mm. we got hello nasty we got uh it's dark and hell is hot like there's so Amazing. many classics that came out of that year is that the album that has how's it going down great song yes great i think song. so yeah do you know when i went to cdmx at sobs that's the only show that's the only song i was so excited <laughs> really? for. i never of course being the only girl i was just like let him perform that song ready for me to date myself uh, I went to Woodstock '99 <laughs> and saw DMX perform. Oh my god! Shouts to me. Wow, <laughs> it was it was amazing. That was the muddy year, right? That was. Yeah, that was. I remember um, that. I also remember it being very controversial because a lot of shit went down there. Uh, there were fires when they gave out <laughs> when they gave out peace candles. By the way, great idea. Like yeah. everyone. Were you a part of those? No, fires? I left. I left right before they lit the place on fire, <laughs> and and drove home and got there. And first of all, I was just like so muddy, and my mom was like, "Oh my god, are you okay?" And I was like, "Why?" And she was like, "Cause the place went up in flames." And I was like, "I had no idea. I need to shower." <laughs> That's crazy. How was DMX performing that album? In like, it was amazing. I just remember like, you know, what seemed like millions of people putting their X's up, and I was like, this is unbelievable. And then he, you know, he did the he did the same thing that he did at the SOBs show, right? Right. Do you remember if he performed um, "What You Really Want" featuring Cisco? Without (laughs) Cisco, he performed like the hits. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do with my brother Jeff is to go over like the list of girls that he names in that song. I love it. (laughs) Tanisha, (laughs) Aniz, and Alicia. Like, so good. If you think of the biggest acts at Woodstock '99, it was like, it was like Metallica and DMX and um, Limp Bizkit. You know, it was just like a weird sort of time in music. Yeah, I'm totally incorrect on the year. We've just had a whole conversation about '98. (laughs) <laughs> 98 yeah. was a, a pretty good year i mean it was a good year oh yeah because it turned 15 last, last year. year yeah I was yeah like, i was just thinking to myself i was like why weren't we talking about all these albums this year yeah we talked about well it turned 15 last year shit okay you're not gonna be on the podcast again. yeah i think that was it for me <laughs> it's been great y'all <laughs> you're just going to cut all of that out let's talk about 1999 <laughs> wait no so what okay so what really did come out in 1999 i I mean, that Apparently was year. 98 was a great year. <laughs> 98 was a great year. Um, 1999 in music. Um, let's take a look. Foxy Brown's China Doll. I. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. TLC's Fan Mail came out. I mean, it was a year like Eminem's Slim Shady LP came out. Right. You gave oh, me yeah. a look when I said Fan Mail. Yes, not, because because we're because just like a couple minutes ago we were talking about Crazy Sexy Cool, and I can't talk about both those albums in the same way because Crazy Sexy Cool was so much better. Yeah. I mean, Genuine's 100% Genuine came out. Oh my gosh. That was a Black great Streets album. finally came out. Wow. I mean, it was did, great. Did that have Pony on it? Yeah. I remember being in like middle school playing volleyball and then like going to the games and like having, of course, there was always one team member that wanted to play some like weird ass song. And I'm like, this is so awkward. But I definitely listened to Pony while going to play volleyball games. 
I wish I could remember the girl's name to put her on blast. To go back to 99 for a second. Sure. I mean, there, there's just so many good projects. Is it 98 or 99? Are we sure? Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> just cut me out of the whole podcast. <laughs> no, like, I mean, Ja Rule, that's the year that Ja Rule blew up, which, haha. But in retrospect, he was huge at the time. Benny Vivici was a crazy big album. And, like, J-Lo came out with her debut mm -hmm. on, on the, the six, six mm -hmm. which was super important. Sure. Um, Changed Latin, this Latin girl's life forever. <laughs> Um, like Casey and JoJo at <laughs> that were big huge that year. Song feels good was like the, <laughs> whatever. It's um, the best for me. Yeah, there's so much good stuff that came out. It, it's I mean, it really was a year for like musical renaissance. Destiny's Child, Writings on the Wall. That was yeah. I see, <laughs> I see you over <laughs> Madeline there. Madeline off the mic is very excited about Memphis this. Bleak's classic album, The Coming of Age. Okay, okay yeah. yeah, all right. <laughs> you know what? That, that might actually be. A perfect time to end this podcast with, <laughs> with a yeah. shout out to memphis fleek um is there anything else you guys want to talk about i mean we could talk about 94 like forever but yeah as long as you guys highlighted your album we could also talk about 98 forever <laughs> i did it, forever i'm gonna be confused forever about 98 and 99 same with me 98 is the year 99 yeah maybe maybe that's the case maybe i was just thinking 99 was 98 98. this entire time or 98 was 99 okay yeah 98 okay I'm done. I'm definitely done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.